I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Hey, Atlanta. Have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523. True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh scent. Best of all, True contains no animal products, and it's safe for sensitive skin. Follow us on social media, True Detergent ATL. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and products across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. The creators of Elementary Genocide Part 1, The School to Prison Pipeline, and Part 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, present the third installment, Academic Holocaust. Each film produced, directed, and personally funded by writer Raheem Shabazz. Hollywood Chronicles says the documentary Elementary Genocide turns a critical eye towards the dehumanizing educational environment that criminalizes black and brown youth by funneling them from schools to prisons. As the third installment to the critically acclaimed series nears completion, we're looking to our legion of supporters to help us reach the finish line by making a donation today. 
If you've learned anything, shared any content, or have received any value from the Elementary Genocide brand, you're going to love Elementary Genocide 3, featuring the likes of Kaba Kemi, David Banner, Shahad Razad Ali, Michael M. Hotep, and Professor James Small. To help spread this important message to the masses, visit elementarygenocide.com or search Elementary Genocide 3 on Indiegogo.com and make your contribution today. That's elementarygenocide.com or Indiegogo.com. If you're unable to donate, please share our cause with your family and friends. Peace and power, black family. This is Raheem Shabazz with Necessary Blackness Podcast, and we're back with episode 16. Today, we have in the studio, ladies and gentlemen, Amadeus Christ. And Amadeus Christ is a filmmaker, director, editor, and founder of Build 7 Media, a San Francisco Bay Area media company since the start of 2011. Amadeus Christ has directed and edited over 30 music videos which have appeared on TV networks like MTV and Revolt TV as well as many popular websites including HipHopDX, ThisIs50.com, XXL, Mag and many, many more. He has done video work for many popular hip-hop artists including Kendrick Lamar, Locksmith, Big Grit, Nitsy Hustle, Locksmith, Ninth Wonder, C Plus, and a lot more individuals. Amadeus Christ is also the co-founder of Open University Production, a collective of filmmakers, music producers, and editors found on the campus of San Jose State University. His work has generated well over 1 million views on YouTube alone and has been broadcast to viewers all over the world. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause for Amadeus Christ. How are you, brother? What's good? What's good, fam? What's good? I see you cut your teeth in the music industry. How did you make the transition to the film industry, brother? Uh, I made the transition as a uh, as an editor, really. Um, really, I was a rapper first, and then I became a producer. Then I became uh, an audio engineer, and then you know, you already know, like Final Cut Pro is really, really similar to like Pro Tools. So I really learned Pro Tools uh, first, Logic, and then I made the the jump over. But really, um, I guess your question is like, why why did I get into video? Yeah, video is a lot more um, challenging. And when I was doing music, I was having to like pay people, pay producers, pay for studio time. Um, when I got into video, people started paying me. You know what I mean? So it opened a lot more doors for me. I had people like coming to me, different rappers coming to me, asking me to do video work for them. So it put me in a different, it, it put me in a different position. I had more leverage in the industry. I had more um, financial opportunities. And I just really loved video because, you know, when you working with audio, that's audio. But when you're working with video, you're working with video and audio. You know what I mean? So there's a lot more room for creativity. You know, when you're doing documentaries, you got music, you got animation, you got um, you're working with photos, you're working with a lot of different scratch material. So 
So that's why I really made the transition from a creative point of view. I was able to do a lot more with video and film. That is almost similar to my situation, although I wasn't an artist, but I was doing music videos, editing music videos, and then I transitioned to doing full featured films, web series, commercials, and eventually led me to doing documentaries. A lot of people don't know what actually goes in to the documentary process. And as a documentary filmmaker, I can tell you people, there's a lot of work that goes into this. Um, What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a small break and we're going to play you just a little snippet of Out of Darkness and let y'all hear for yourself what this amazing brother got cooking in the lab. The war is against African people. And so the attack on African history is a part of the larger attack on African peoples. The only functional, fully actualized system of racism on the planet is white supremacy. Is white How supremacy. do you uh, espouse these, these ideas of freedom and at the same time you are demonstrably doing something opposite of that? Opposite it of is that. out of that genocidal process, social, economic, and political, that arose the spiritual phenomena called hip-hop. We said hip-hop was for everybody. This is not a black thing. This ain't just for black people. In other words, we don't own this. You're giving every corporation and every culture on the planet the right to colonize and exploit your cultural product. And now whites are gonna have to try to come in and take over hip-hop until black folk rebuild their communities and put up some kind of a cultural defense to make sure people cannot misuse their music by building your own vertical industries. And now let's go back to Africa. Let's go back to the Jele. Let's go back to the story of telling the story of our people with the drums playing in the background and the master teacher dropping the knowledge and the wisdom. This is our land. We got to teach our people that they're home. We have to teach our people their nationality, their principles, their morals, and then they wouldn't have no hate. When the real history is exposed, not only does it expose Europeans who have misrepresented the history, it also uh, exposes compromised, quote unquote, black scholars. How are we going to talk about black power without black dollar? There is no black power without the black dollar. Without the black dollar. Without the black dollar. What are we celebrating right now? This is our 150th year since the end of slavery. 150 years of the 13th Amendment. 150. Are we on course? We on course for revolution? For revolution? For revolution? Wow, ladies and gentlemen, that was a powerful clip of Out of Darkness by our brother Amadeus Christ. And in that brief clip, you heard about the master teacher dropping knowledge. You heard about history exposed, the real history of black indigenous people. You heard about there is no black power without the black dollar. So, brother, I want you to tell us the process one must go through once sound and picture is locked. Take us through your editing process and what happens after the sound and pictures lock? My editing process is kind of complex, bro. <laughs> I go through a lot, a lot of stages, but 
really what I try to do is let the movie kind of build itself, let the documentary kind of build itself. And what I mean by that is I let it kind of happen organically. Like I'll ask, I'll have like a list of questions that I have, right? Um, where I want to really take the film. Then I'll have like a list of subject matter. So I answer my questions, boom, I get my questions. Um, now, after all the questions is being been answered, all my interviews is done, then I go and kind of build chapters based on the subjects. So like what I used to do when I was in college, right, where they used to have us write these research papers and they used to have us break everything down by topic and kind of put everything in a, in a graph format. Um, and then you kind of just grow it from there, right? You kind of grow off the subject. So actually with Out of Darkness, I did it in two phases. So when I did my first set of questions, I kind of knew what the general topics were. So when I did the second set of interviews, I just had everything lined up with those topics. So then when I make all my edits and get everything organized, then I, I start to color. And then once I got my skeleton, that's when I call my skeleton. I got my skeleton for the film. I got everything pretty much lined up as far as the interviews go. And then I start bringing in the images and the animation. Now, while I'm doing all of this, I'm doing animation, separate animation and um, like After Effects. And then I just started using this program called Fusion, like, you know, advanced um, compositing, image compositing. But just just like basic, basic animation stuff, you know, compositing images, putting images in 3D space and just kind of animating that. So so now I got my images, I got my animations, then I start working on my music. Right. And then um, just bring bring all that together. So. Actually, um, I'm working on a Detroit project right now. It's called Walk to the Valley. I think this is the first time I actually announced the title for that. So that's an exclusive. <laughs> but um, so where I'm at right now with that film, I got everything pretty much organized. So now with this one, I really want to cut the film to the music. Last time when I did Out of Darkness, I did like... I did all the music and I did the editing. I did the, um, not the editing, I did the score. I did the score. I, made, I basically made all the music from scratch, mixed it and mastered a three-hour film in like two weeks. No, I, mean, I think it was like seven days or something like that, some Machiavelli stuff. I did everything in like seven days and it was kind of rushed, but the music still was cool. Um, but this but this time I really want to um, do the music while I'm doing the film and I, I started that process already. So I'm doing the music. So when I say cut, like to the music, I'm like editing to the music it has more of a feel, you know, the music has more of a feel and I don't want the music to kind of like overpower the speakers. You know what I mean? I kind of want the images to breathe a little bit. So it's a learning process for me. This, you know, Out of Darkness was my first film. This is my second film. Um, I'm actually working on like three films right now. But um, the Detroit one is going to be the next one. I think that's going to be real special. Wow, that was a lot to take in. I definitely understand when you talk about scoring, you know, music in your film. And to do that in seven days is really not an easy feat. Um, music. It, 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 it definitely can be used as a third character. So I'm excited about this project and I, I can't wait to see it, brother. Now, my, my next question is, I was fortunate enough to do a screening with you when you came and brought it here to Atlanta. And the overwhelming response was very well received. You can always tell when you do a good screening by the caliber of questions the audience asks. And then, you know, 
we always got limited time in the theater. And then when you announce, well, this is going to be the last question, people are looking like, come on, man, just one more question. And then we stood in the lobby for about probably another hour, two hours, and you was answering questions. So that is phenomenal. But what I want to know is initially going into this film, we, now we're talking about Out of Darkness. What impact was you hoping to have on the initial audience when they viewed it? And did you get that impact? To be honest with you, I really, I really wasn't expecting anything when I did Out of Darkness. Um, I didn't know what kind of impact it was going to have. I didn't know. Uh, I knew it was going to be well received, but I didn't know like what the what the impact was. I didn't know who was going to show up to these screenings. Every every screening was different. Um, it really allowed me to, uh, you know, I, I like I would call out of darkness like a um, like an experiment, like a social experiment, right? It kind of allowed me to take the temperature in every city that I went to. Like Detroit felt different than Charleston, South Carolina, right? Uh, Pasadena felt uh, a lot different than Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Atlanta feels a lot different than. Oakland, you know what I mean, or or whatever place in California. So seeing the differences in the different cities and seeing where people was at was like a big thing. But I was really, I think the standout moment um, was when we debuted it at the Pan African Film Festival because even we had some technical issues with the screening. But after the screening was over, like when the lights came on, I was seeing people crying. You know what I mean? Like I'm watching people throughout the whole screen the whole movie people's like shouting at the screen you know what i mean like in a good way people's crying people's laughing but after the the movie was over like i had a backpack full of dvds and like people were literally fighting each other to get to me first to grab the dvd i mean i sold out of every deed that i maybe had like 50 on me i sold them all in like less than 10 minutes you know what I mean? We didn't even have time for Q&A afterwards because people was like mobbing me for the for the DVD. That was when I knew that I had a quality, quality. Like I knew it was a quality product, but that's when I really knew how like it was going to be received. And everywhere has been has been really well received. Like I pay attention to the questions that people ask me. You know what I mean? Um, that's another thing I pay attention to. Most of the questions that people asked me was related to the Moors or related to our indigenous uh status as indigenous americans because a lot of people don't know that that history and i like that's a point that i make uh i make it a point to to say that everywhere i go is like we are indigenous to america we did not all come over here on slave ships a lot of us probably most of us were already here um, and that history is completely like wiped away. You mentioned that Detroit felt different than Charleston, South Carolina. And I would say that Detroit being in the Midwest, and Charleston, South Carolina being in the South, you think that it was a little different due to the geographical location or what what you feel made the difference? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think it was a geographic location. I mean, Detroit has its own rich, rich, rich history, right? The Detroit crowd was was very mixed. The thing I noticed about Charleston, and um, shout out to my my, my homie um, Uni out there, 
at um, Central Station. He got South Carolina on lock. But when I went to when I went to Charleston at the screen, it was it was all young people. I didn't think I don't think anybody in there was like under thirty five, and it was a lot of young sisters in there, and that was like very very inspiring because they was in there like really serious, and it was a, like it was a it was a really good vibe. But I don't know what I would attribute that to. I think it's just the communities. You know, I think it's just the history of the communities. Like Detroit, you know, Black Bottom was a prosperous uh, black community. And then there's, there's a lot of like Charleston has a real strong black business community. I mean, I mean, uh, not Charleston, Charleston, too, but um, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. They have a real strong uh, history of black entrepreneurship, black business ownership. So I think that plays, you know, that that plays a, a, a big role in it, too. So does Atlanta, you know what I mean? I noticed that places that really didn't have that history, the young people is not as energized. You see like older people at the screenings, you know what I mean? The places that got a history of of business, it's a lot younger people there. I don't know what correlation you can make with that. That's a good correlation because that only means that the young are hungry for this knowledge. And when you look at the young and you understand that the wolf that's at the top of the mountain is not as hungry as the wolf that's coming up to the mountain. So shout out to all our young social justice warriors that's out there and that's trying to get that knowledge and stay woke. Because that's what we got to do, people. Now, in this film, is broken up into three parts or three acts. One of the acts is African civilization, which is history. Then you have European colonization the psychological post-trauma. And then act three is African world revolution, hip-hop, and nationhood. Can you give us just like a brief synopsis on each act and how it coincides with the film for those that didn't see it so that they can go out and purchase it and watch it? Word. Um, so broken down into three parts. Really what I try to do is tell the whole the whole story uh try at least attempt to try to cover every subject right so what i really broke it down was to was history psychology and politics which is nationhood right so act one focuses on history right so i started with history because that's obviously what we've lost as a people we've lost nationhood too but our history our, our lack of knowledge of our history is the reason why we are totally like disengaged politically so i started with history showing ancient egypt showing the connection between africa and ancient america like i said we was the first indigenous people everywhere but um in america um that's a that's a whole chapter right there and then i go into the moors which i feel like the moors is probably the most interesting and the most most rich uh, period in our history outside of ancient Kemet, uh, and it's the most hidden, uh, and it tells a lot, a lot of how we actually even got in this predicament. So, um, and none of our so-called leaders is, will tell you about it. Um, they just will tell you that our history starts with slavery. And I know every uh, everybody's fascinated with Kemet, but we really need to study that history of like 711 to 1492 when we were uh, in Europe. But okay, so that's the history. That's re- the risk. That's the restoration of our confidence right there. Right. That's why I did the history part. So the second part, I want to deal with psychology. Right. I wanted to deal with 
what the psychological effects of what happened to us as a people when we went through that process of the enslavement process. So that's why um, I started that out with post-trauma. So I'm talking about or we're talking about intergenerational trauma. We're dealing with racism. Really, so we can really understand what racism, what it really is. It's not about just one people not liking another people. Racism, as Dr. Anderson, Dr. Claude Anderson would say, it's a group phenomenon. It's a competitive sport. And we're all on these different teams. But I think that we are made to be confused by what racism really is. Um, and then I go into, you know, other things like cognitive dissonance. Um, I go into the psychological warfare being waged on us by the image of the of the white Jesus. And then the last uh, act is nationhood. So uh, what I did interesting with that with that act is I tied in hip hop. And that's what everybody makes a note of. Right. Uh, I, I tie in the, the history. The history of hip hop um, as a response to racism uh, and this false notion of white supremacy in America. Um, and then I go out, you know, that's 20 minute chapter on that and a 20 minute chapter on nation building. So really exploring nationhood, how we lost it, why we lost it and how to get it back. What steps we need to take to get it back. If that don't make you want to see it, I don't know what will. I don't care if you a low-frequency slave. If you heard what the brother just laid out for us right here, you're going to want to go see that documentary. It's available right now. Where can anybody go view it at if they want to buy the DVDs? A lot of uh, this generation, they like to go online and stream. Where can they go and stream it at? And also... Brothers is going to want to hit you up. Sisters is going to want to hit you up. And how can they hit you up and stay abreast on when you're doing other screenings and other forthcoming projects? Yeah, go to outofdarknessfilm.com. Outofdarknessfilm.com. Or you can go to building7, S-E-V-E-N, spelled out, building7media.com. And both of those links will... um, both of those websites will give you all the links to um, Amazon and Vimeo. So Vimeo is where you can like watch it online. You can stream it, download it. That's the HD version. Um, and then you could uh, order the DVD from Amazon. So I am selling it myself on Amazon. So don't like think that oh Amazon is gonna get your money. No, I'm getting I'm getting it. So um, yeah, those two websites. Or you can go to the Facebook search um, Out of Darkness film on facebook um and get at me i mean you know we uh we in the age of technology anybody could uh research amadeus christ and see you know how to get in contact with me but i'll probably say the best way is probably through the facebook all right brother before we get up out of here i want to know a little more about this detroit project and do you have any upcoming screenings what you got going on besides the detroit project as well yeah, man, this uh this Detroit project is really really special. Um, I'm not. We haven't released too many details on it. I'm actually. Uh, I have a biz- business partner on this one, uh, Toby Tan- Tansel. Uh, my homie Toby Tansel is out there in Detroit. He's a Detroit native, man. Real cool brother. Real business oriented. Um, so we and him are doing the project together. So he's actually the one who proposed it to me. 
Um, but as far as like the details go, uh, I will say that it's going to be very, very, very special. It's going to be uh, along the lines, if not better than Out of Darkness, uh, as far as production quality. Um, we are trying to get this one picked up by uh, a Netflix or you know a big distribution company. So we don't really have any screenings because I think we talked about this the other day. You can't really announce and do stuff ahead of time planning for the the film festivals because they don't want you to release stuff before they they can or they might purchase the film um so but i will say we're looking at the end of the year probably uh i would say november december as far as a release uh then other other projects i got i'm working on um the next installment of out of darkness which is going to focus on the African origins of religion. That's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be fun. Uh, them screenings is going to be real fun. I'll, I like at one of my screenings, I almost like my very first screening, man, in Pasadena, it almost like turned into a fight. Cause there's like one OG in there and he was just like really combative. So, um, some of this like material for our people, uh, you know, Dr. Kaba told me it's like sometimes it's like vomit, right? Sometimes the 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 material is so strong that we can't digest it right away, so we end up vomiting it out. And a lot of times, like we're filled with a lot of poison, so that poison comes out. So I might have to take a slightly different approach for the next one because the next one is touching on a on a on a nerve, man. Uh, the religion thing is a big thing for us, so I really want to. I really wanted to handle this next one with with kitty gloves, um, so it's gonna be a real special project. And I'm also working on um, a project with Tony Browder. I'm actually gonna link up with him uh, on Sunday. I'm going to DC. I'll be with him for a week. We're gonna go up to DC and go to New York and go get some footage for um, a project that we're working on. So there you have it, brothers and sisters. Amadeus Christ. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Make sure you go out and support my brother. I'm a documentary filmmaker, so this is near and dear to me. And don't you ever think that there's any competition between me and this brother. And I'm going to tell y'all a funny story of how I met the brother. I, I, I seen his work prior to that and I'm like oh okay yeah the brother is definitely about it he's putting in work and um, didn't hear too much about him then I started seeing a couple of YouTube videos started making his rounds he's doing interviews you know his name is ringing bells and, and brothers is talking about him and um, a few of uh, of both mutual acquaintance knew one another, and they were suggesting to him, yo, you need to hook up with Raheem Shabbat. And they telling me, yo, you know Amadeus Christ? And I'm like, nah, I don't know him, but I know of him. It was like, man, you need to hook up with the brother. So eventually the brother came to Atlanta, and um, it was Marcus, right? He met Marcus, and um, Marcus told him the same thing. Yo, you need to hook up with that brother Raheem that's here in Atlanta. And um, he got me and the brother on the phone. Immediately, probably within 48 hours, we linked up. And I pretty much took the brother around. Look, yo, put your DVDs here. You know, co-signing them here. We, we rode around that whole day. Went out, you know what I mean? And got him in a couple of outlets and tell him, yo, this is how I move around here. Showed him the terrarium of Atlanta, this, that, and the other. Because I want to see the brother win. You know what I mean? And that's what we have to do with one another. 
you know, we got to see each other win, man. And we have to build relationships. You know what I mean? I took him, introduced him to the guy that was distributing my film. Didn't work out for him. But, you know, we, we tried. You know what I mean? In fact, it ain't work out for me after three years. But, you know, we, we, we do what we do. You know what I mean? And I know for a surety, man, that this brother is going to go on to do big and wonderful things. You know what I mean? And we both on the same path. He's trying to get take his film to a bigger height. Maybe Netflix. Maybe P- PBS. Maybe something different. Me as well. You know, my next my next documentary or whatever film project I decide to do, I want to put it on a bigger platform. And he might get to that platform before me. And guess what? Yo, I need the hookup. I need you to walk this in there for me. You know what I mean? And I can call on that brother now because we built a relationship. We built a rapport that was genuine, you know? So that's that that that's a conclusion of, of today's podcast, man. Make sure you check this brother out. Once again, Armadeus Christ. You can go on Instagram. You could go on YouTube. You could go on Facebook. I don't know if the brother got a Snapchat. I think you know he said nope. Yeah, I think I'm the I think I'm the only individual over 30 with a Snapchat. But you know, I do it because you know I like technology. Plus, my son put it on my phone. Then after a while, I was like, you know what, this is a little cool. But I ain't on there like that, you know. So listen, in closing, man, is there anything that I didn't ask you, or anything you want to say in your last closing words? Uh, I just want to thank you for having me on here, man. Um, you know, we should. I should have been episode number one instead of sixteen. You know, but it's it's good. Uh, you know, it's all love. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate you, bro. Um, for all the support. You know, what I'm saying like like you said, taking me around, showing me the city. You know what I mean? Um, I love Atlanta. It's dope. Uh, but I, I like I want to see all of us succeed. Uh. I want to see you succeed. I want to see Rick Mathis. Shout out to Rick with Black Friday. I want to see um, all of us, man. We all good filmmakers. We all excellent. We all mastering our craft. I was telling you this the other day, man. I feel like, you know, when you look at the independent rap labels of the 90s, you know what I mean, where everybody was doing it independent and it was like the new thing and everybody was making, you know, everybody was making money and being successful and everybody was eating. That's how I want to, like, that's how I see us, like the black, the new black filmmakers. Uh, I want us to be, like, celebrated as, like, the new rappers or the new record labels, you know, where we drop in uh, movies, you know, two movies every year. We just, like, really consistent, really, like, building our brands up. So I think, um, you know, with the with the business mentality that this younger generation has, I think we just need to keep pushing and, um, you know, just grow our audiences and just keep putting out quality product. You know what I mean? And you doing that. I'm doing that. Uh, Rick is doing that. We all doing that. So we just got to keep keep continuing to do what we do, bro. All right, this is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I'm your host, Raheem Shabazz. Make sure you stay tuned to us each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Peace. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz.
This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. The creators of Elementary Genocide Part 1, The School to Prison Pipeline, and Part 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, present the third installment, Academic Holocaust. Each film produced, directed, and personally funded by writer Raheem Shabazz. Hollywood Chronicles says the documentary Elementary Genocide turns a critical eye towards the dehumanizing educational environment that criminalizes black and brown youth by funneling them from schools to prisons. As the third installment to the critically acclaimed series nears completion, we're looking to our legion of supporters to help us reach the finish line by making a donation today. If you've learned anything, shared any content, or have received any value from the Elementary Genocide brand, you're going to love Elementary Genocide 3, featuring the likes of Kaba Kemi, David Banner, Shahad Razad Ali, Michael M. Hotep, and Professor James Small. To help spread this important message to the masses, visit elementarygenocide.com or search Elementary Genocide 3 on Indiegogo.com and make your contribution today. That's elementarygenocide.com or Indiegogo.com. If you're unable to donate, please share our cause with your family and friends. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and products across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily.